Yeah, so I've been making jokes, trying to be funny, and I'm not, and I get it. Is it going to be all right? Hello, and welcome to All Through a Lens Home Edition. This is the podcast about film photography, where we discuss a little more than just COVID-19. I'm Vanya. And I'm not Vanya. And we have got a show for you today. We do. I mean, there's basically no reason why we wouldn't have a show. We're recording and that'd just be weird. Everyone is locked up in their houses now or something. And what choice do we have but to record for you? So we'll talk about social distancing and creativity and creative social distancing and We'll give a call to Ethan from Cameradactyl, who apparently is not doing anything at all right now. We'll talk about wire photos and what they have to do with the Jimmy Stewart movie. We'll have zine reviews, a bit of this, some of that, and a bit of... Vanya, how, how are you holding up? <laughs> as well as probably everybody else. Uh, I have my ups and downs, but <laughs> overall, I think I'm doing okay. I've been going on some walks around my neighborhood and trying to get some mileage in because I am definitely eating a lot more than I usually do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear you there. I just, I did three big chocolate chip cookies right right before we were recording. And <laughs> I'm yeah. not ashamed. Yeah, we're, I think everybody just staying at home in general, I think we're this is like worse than Christmas time. <laughs> like COVID time is <laughs> yes, awful. <laughs> technically, uh, a global pandemic is worse than Christmas time, though slightly. Oh, goodness. So how have you been holding up? T- besides the cookies, because that's amazing. Honestly, like I, I've been wanting cookies and me and Marley are supposed to be like baking and we just are too lazy and haven't. <laughs> Well, I will be sending you some ginger cookies very shortly. Yay. I'm uh, I'm holding up fine, I guess. It's really weird because I am still at work and everybody else isn't. So I've got that weird, like, I wish I could stay home jealousy thing. And that's it's such a weird thing to feel like everybody is on Christmas break and I'm not. Yeah, well, you're in a warehouse by yourself, so it's a little different. I am. I'm in a warehouse by myself and, and it, it is. It's um, I feel no more alone than I normally do which is uh, maybe better than everybody else is doing in some way. Possibly. Possibly. I would like to be home alone, but that's not going to happen. No, uh, <laughs> lots of people are are sheltering together. And <laughs> that is a thing that we are doing now. Yes, yes, we are. So you're, you're going for walks, but you're not surfing. You're not doing any like long traveling. You're just kind of hunkering in place. Hunkering? Oh, God. Is it come to that? Am I saying the word hunkering now? Yeah, I think so. I th- yeah. It's... So I got that pop-up tent on my van. Yes. It's very sad, but I have not used it. And yesterday I was like cleaning it out and I was like, I might camp in my van tonight in the driveway because I haven't even had a chance to use it yet. It's been so frustrating. And you can't go to any parks because everything's closed, which I understand. I'm Mm going to be respectful. And then I just got a message from my uh, surf friend who's a lifeguard. And she said that they're closing the beaches in LA on Saturday. So by the time this comes out, they will be closed and I will be forever sad about that. But it's fine. We're all just like, you know, holding tight. You are hunkering. Oh, God. Is that going to be the word of the podcast? It is hunkering, yeah. Oh, yay. (laughs) 
But I have shot a little bit. Uh, I've been taking a 35 millimeter A1 with a 50 millimeter lens on my walks with Bodhi. Oh, nice. Is he shooting a lot too? Not a ton, but just a little bit. A okay. lot of developing. He does a lot of developing for you? <laughs> yeah, Bodhi does. It's <laughs> good. It's nice he can do that without thumbs. I wish I wish I were so lucky. How about you? Have you been um, creative? I feel like there's a very big push on like, hey, let's be creative. There is a huge push on let's be creative. And honestly, I will sit down to write something and I'll just be like, I have nothing to say right now. I will take a camera around and have like, oh God, I don't know what, I can't really shoot anything. Yeah, it's not flowing for me. But again, my world hasn't changed all that much because I'm still at work. And the only thing I can't do is go to parks. Like all the parks are closed in Seattle. All the good ones. All the state parks are closed. All the state wildlife areas are closed, whatever that means. I'm just, you know, you know what they say, you're hunkering down and I'm just going to do it. You know what's been really super neat? No. Looking at all the photos of all these towns and cities that are just completely closed down. And there's like wild animals roaming the streets. Yeah. It's insane and awesome. There's dolphins in the Venice Canal. There are. The clean Venice Canals. Yeah. So crystal clear. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how little pollution we're producing right now. It is almost (laughs) like we could do this if we really wanted to. Yeah, we could. Mm-hmm. So we're neither of us really seem to be all that creative right now. And and so we got to thinking, how has social distancing affected everyone's creativity? And we've seen a lot of like different projects and different sharing things going on in social media. And that's, that's great. And also a lot of pressure. So we asked our listeners this question, how has social distancing affected your creativity and photography in general? And we got a ton of calls, which I'm very excited about. So let's uh, push that button. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, Eric and Vanya. This is Annie, Annie annie.thing.goes on Instagram. Social distancing really hasn't been a problem for me throughout this because I'm an only child and an introvert, so I'm fine. I'm just chilling. Creativity, on the other hand, has sort of been a problem because I'm a college student and just like every college student here in the country, I've had to move out of my dorm and we're going online for classes. I'm in a film class right now and it's going digital and that's been kind of hard because I know that I don't have a way to develop my film at home and I won't have access to a darkroom next semester, so I'm just trying to readjust and be okay with that. I've been using instant film, so Polaroid and Instax, and I've been carrying around my 35mm camera because I'm a history major and I just really like to document, so that's how I'm being okay with everything. But thank you all for the podcast, especially now because it's helped me feel more connected even though I feel like I can't really do anything. So thank you all! I lived in this small town called Smith River as a teenager, and I was completely isolated from basically anything. So. I I just stayed home. I would walk to the beach with my 35 millimeter camera that my mom gave me and take pictures and listen to my my Walkman. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it. You know, I I survived Smith River, so I've been training for this my whole life. (laughs) What, uh, most importantly, what were you listening to on the Walkman? Oh, Christian Death. Fair enough. Hey guys, this is Jason. Thanks so much for looking at my zine last week. As I've mentioned on Instagram a few times, I have been hunkered down working on the last requirements for my degree, but given the impending change in circumstances, I decided to order some film, which I'm still waiting on. In the meantime, given the uh, slower pace of these times, they call for the slow meow. I will just spit my coffee out. (laughs) 
So I see somebody else is hunkered down. That's uh, <laughs> very nice to know. Very nice to know. Um, yeah, I, I got a bunch of film as well, and, and I'm, I've been kind of able to shoot it. We did sort of escape the city two weekends ago now, and been shooting shot quite a bit then and developing it and all of that. But I think that was kind of the last trip for a while, and that's it's a little depressing. Slow times call for the slow meow, and I hope you're feeling a little more inspired than I am. Jamie Maldonado, Jamie M. Photo on everything. Social distancing has completely wrecked everything. I have had so many sessions canceled and had to cancel so many sessions for so many things I was excited about. I'm a people photographer, so telling me I need to uh, stay away from people or kill my immunocompromised brother and elderly parent, well, the choice is clear-cut. My uh, worry was that I would lose all inspiration and completely derail myself, but it's been great in certain respects because I can look at different projects and also look back at what I've done lately, which I've needed to do to stop and to take stock of things that I've been collecting and haven't been looking back over. And also, I'm rediscovering that I'm not just a portrait photographer. I can do landscapes and other things. So I'm looking forward to that in a way. So a positive perspective and all this madness and disruption is letting yourself branch out in your creativity. Like Jamie said, he isn't just a portrait photographer, he's a photographer. And it's nice to hear you're tackling something else like landscapes and other things. A lot of my shooting happens with other people on hikes or, I mean, one of the best things about film photography for me was meeting people after moving to a new city a few years ago and how some photo walks that were happening where I live really got me out and helped me out. But I do also enjoy tinkering and I'm trying to see the bright side in this and take this as an opportunity to spend some more time in the lab. A while ago I lucked into a stash of some infrared ectochrome not EIR that most people are familiar with but its predecessor IE which is an E4 film rather than a modern E6 film seeing as how scarce and unusual color infrared film is I have been planning for months and months to try and resurrect in some way the color infrared E4 process I've been planning this for so long, I think it's finally time to start tinkering. Being locked in my apartment with a whole bunch of chemicals, there's worse ways to spend some time away from work, for sure. I'm not sure if you're following. It's, uh, I'm watching his stories. Yeah, they are unbelievable. Uh, he, <laughs> I guess this is a bit of an update, I'm sure it'll be different by the time this is released, but he has developed I believe it's E2 slide film and also C22 color negative film. But definitely follow his stories. They are inspiring and um, makes me feel a little lazy, chemically speaking, <laughs> chemically lazy. Hi, guys. This is Tanya with Trench Photos 365, period. With self-quarantine and corona and creativity, I'm actually not laid up at home and working from home because of the nature of my job. Um, I'm in healthcare and I'm still having to go and see people every day. So I'm out there swimming in the soup, as it were. My project this year though is reflections. And so every day I'm looking for a scene that I can somehow translate into a reflection in some way. So I'm carrying mirrors with me all the time and I'm looking for puddles and I'm looking for interesting shapes and colors and silhouettes in windows. Thank you so much, Tanya, for your service and yeah. everyone out there in healthcare. Thank you so very much. Uh, I 
love the project, especially that you bring Amir with you. Um, definitely look forward to seeing that project and, you know, stay safe and healthy. And again, thank you so much. In my small town, social distancing is what we call the weekend. So nothing has changed except that everything has changed or potentially will change. As an artist photographer, I'd like to document that, but the problem is so invisible except for face masks, maybe empty streets if you live in a big city, or closed signs. So it's maybe time to go back to expressionism, both in photography and to do more painting. I have a lot of bad prints where I got fixer on them that I want to do something with, and I'm thinking... Liquitex, golden paints, time to mix mediums. The irony, by the way, of having fixer on the prints is that I didn't wash my hands well enough. So, Elegato, you have your answers right there, all these subtle changes, the subtle differences. You're noticing them. Shoot those things because you're going to notice those, say, like, I don't know, 20 years from now. You'll look back at the pictures and go, these things are a little fucked up. What's wrong with them? Oh, this was during that whole zombie apocalypse thing that's happening. Well, he lives in... Humboldt, so it's zombie apocalypse every day. Oh, burn! But you're <laughs> not wrong. And these do- <laughs> these these differences—they're they're photographically speaking—they're great because they're things that that other people are going to miss. And that's what the subtle, subversive things in your photos. That's what's kind of cool. It doesn't these these things don't have to be blatant. You don't have to take like, oh my god, this is like a. It's, not, it's like it's an empty Times Square. That's really creepy. That hits you over the head. But these subtle differences, that's where the fun is. And yeah, also everybody wash your hands. Hi, Eric and Vanya. This is Hannah Grace. So Ohio isn't quite on lockdown yet, but we do have a lot of precautions. So I'm trying to manage the anxiety of that while also realizing that we are at a point in history that uh, we will look back on at some point and I definitely want to be making work. So a lot of my work is focused on isolation and the virus while also my anxiety. It's a weird balance. I don't know. I'm trying to make work, but I don't always get out. Being able to identify your anxiety is a good thing and honestly there has been times this week when they gave us this you know mandatory orders to stay home i was feeling anxious feeling like i need i just wanted to get out because now someone's telling me i can't you're such a brat and (laughs) i think i just didn't give myself enough time to sit with it as mothers we're always making sure everyone else is okay and we end up kind of leaving ourselves to the last or not taking care of ourselves at all not really advice but just Take care of yourself, Hannah. Pour yourself into your work if you can, and you can always send me a message if you want to vent. Here's Jonas. Yeah, guys, it's me again. Glad to tell you that I stopped smoking uh, over a decade ago, but, you know, a fun story is a fun story. Anyway, good question this time. Yeah, I've been a bit in the slums, but anyway, uh, it's, it's times like this when when we don't get to see each other much, but once we do see, we value it more. So that's the kind of pictures I take right now, pictures of friends and family, stuff like that. Keep it in my heart. Okay, have a nice day, guys. Love you. Bye. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I just get the biggest smile (laughs) on my face when you call. Yay, thank you so much. It's so true. I mean, for those of us already pretty isolated, either just by social awkwardness or, you know, distance or whatever, the virus is cutting us off even more. And 
even though like it's sometimes in subtle ways, but it really, it really is. It can be really tough, even for us who are kind of introverts. Um, a lot of us are walking that, that weird line between isolation and loneliness anyway. And for those not going through it, it's, it's kind of difficult to understand. So I love that he's, he's taking photos of friends and family and remembering how much they mean to him. Hi, Alex here from Skelly Takes Pictures. During the social distancing, I've been uh, working from home and uh, just being at home for about five days now. I decided three days ago to turn my my room into a camera obscura by tarping all my windows and turning into a, turn my room into a camera. It's been great. What? That's incredible. <laughs> Some people so make dark rad. rooms and some people just make cameras. And it's pretty yeah, amazing. he made a camera <laughs> out of his room. That's amazing. Um, I would love for you to share that. Maybe hashtag all through a lens podcast so we can share it with everyone. Yeah, send it to us. We really want to see that. Hey, this is Brandy from Film Diary of a Redhead. And if I'm being completely honest, social distancing hasn't affected my photography much at all, considering I tend to keep to myself most of the time anyway. But the current climate in general is intensely scary and stressful for me. So during stressful and scary and, and generally overwhelming periods of time, I, I tend to withdraw. I become anxious, depressed, and moody. I find it hard to create anything, let alone be inspired by anything. I used to look at other people who created amazing art during times of turmoil and fear, and I wondered why I was so broken. Like, why, why can't I draw from my fear the way that they could? And it's taken a long time just to be okay with that not being my way of dealing with stress or fear or general unease. So I'm not creating right now. Actually, I'm working on being kinder to my creative self and just letting her rest. But I look forward to what other people are able to do during this time. I think for, for Brandy and a lot of folks, taking a break is a really good thing. She does a lot of 365 projects and is always kind of pushing herself. And I think this specifically, a lot of people are pushing you to be creative, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But you have a lot of these things on like Instagram saying, oh, on this day you create this, and this day you create that. And that can be really a lot of pressure. Yeah, I can't never follow those things anyways. No, it's all good. It's all coming from a good place where people will say, uh, oh, they'll, they'll tag you like, oh, post this photo, post a photo you haven't posted before, or post a black and white photo, or post a self-portrait or whatever. And they'll tag like 10 people. And I know the intention is good. It really is. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, I'd say most people love that. But every time I get one, there's like this weird sinking feeling like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disappoint them if I post something or if I don't post something. And it's such a weird feeling that it's just me. This is on me. This isn't on anybody asking no, me to do it. No, no, I, I always feel, understand. I always feel honored that, they, that anybody tags me in anything and remembers me. If, if someone remembers me when I'm not talking, that's pretty cool. So I always feel like, oh my God, they, they thought of me. And that's, that's a really wonderful feeling. But then that's coupled with like the terror of like, I don't know what to do here and I can't do this. And so I shut down and I don't do anything. And you know what? I used to feel bad and I don't think, and this is because of Brandy, I don't think I should feel bad because sometimes it's just not there and that's not my fault. And it's not their fault, of course, but sometimes it's just not there and that's okay. It's okay yeah. to not create. All right, so the last one, so originally we asked a different question. If you listen to the previous episode, it was, it was not this question that we were, we were asking at all. And so 
this next caller, the last one, called in about that question, but it weirdly fit with this one. And also, he somehow knew that we wanted to ask a question about daydreaming and didn't, which is weird, but kind of cool. So here it is. Hey guys, this is uh, Federico or Freddy from Italy. Daydream. Here in Italy, we've been, let's say, quarantined for the past 10 days. I've been home working for the past 10 days and I haven't seen my girlfriend for that much time. And so I have a fresh roll of uh, Alpha P30, Ferrania, and I just, I keep on daydreaming on the pictures I wanna make and take to my girlfriends. I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to take pictures of her. And it's not only that, it's Portrait 400, it's Portrait 160, it's all the type of films. I just wanna have a, a day and take pictures with her with my Olympus OM2N, my Olympus 35RC, and my Rolleiflex. I just can't wait. One second note, you guys say fuck yeah, I'm gonna say in Italian, vaffanculo si. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Oh, so funny story. When I was 10, my mom shipped me off to Italy to stay with my grandmother in La Spezia. And I met all the kids in the neighborhood and they taught me every single bad word possible in Italian. And that's all I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> is the, is, that's the only bad word you remember? Um, I know a couple other ones, but, you know, I don't want to get any bad reviews. <laughs> so I guess it comes down to this. We should probably answer this question ourselves. Fanya. Like, how has social distancing affected your creativity and your photography in a general or specific sort of way? Well, I have tried to go surfing a couple times just down the street from where I live. They There's like a campground. It's a state beach. It's like a half a mile from my house. And it is like ground zero for like... Um, COVID-19 so anybody that's sick they like brought a bunch of trailers and they just like made an encampment for people so I'm not going there anymore uh the state beaches are closed so all the gates are closed I can't park anywhere and honestly like the last time I tried to surf it just didn't feel right it felt bad uh which I don't like I want to do my part so I've quarantined myself in my house and I haven't been in the water so it has affected me because I shoot in the water mostly um, and if I'm not shooting in the water I like to go on you know my little side trips and it seems like this would be such a great time to do this since we are all not working but uh, that's just not the case that's just not how it works. I've been kind of almost forcing myself to be creative, which is probably not the greatest thing. I made like a makeshift darkroom in my bathroom uh, that didn't really work out. The enlarger didn't fit on the toilet and it was a little wobbly and I just didn't really have a lot of room. <laughs> know the feeling. <laughs> it was just, it was just awful. And it, but it made me excited because I was like, I could still do this. I know I, I remember how to do this and it, I really want to get my darkroom set up eventually clearly you so. do i'm just doing small projects um i've been video chatting with my family uh on google hangouts and that has been so fun 
<laughs> just like getting my aunt on there and my mom and everybody like my mom couldn't like hang up <laughs> the other <laughs> the other day she like couldn't figure out how to hang up and she was just there we didn't even know she was still there for like she just was quiet oh <laughs> that's horrible it was really cute so um i think it's like it's been good for the relationships in my family. We've been talking a lot more and that's really great. So I'm just trying to like think of these positive things that ha- have happened since then. And, and that's okay. You also have kind of like an exhibition coming up. I do. Yes. I have an online exhibition. Um, Jeremy Lachance sent me a message like DM and asked me if I wanted to be a part of this um, exhibit. I think that he had a surf exhibit that was happening and it got canceled. So he was like, you know what, I'm going to do an online photo exhibition instead. So he invited a bunch of photographers and he invited me, which was really nice. It's called To Bring You Closer to the Sea. And it's from April 9th to April 12th. And it's online and you'll get to um, see there's a ton of photographers that do some amazing stuff. That will be up there and we will definitely link that in the show notes. So um, enough about me. About you. Let's talk about you. What have you been doing? I was talking to a friend last night and he kind of put things in a bit of perspective. So if everything goes very south, right now we're in the montage scene where people are starting to panic. There's weird broadcasts on TV of like authority figures saying weird bullshit, obviously covering stuff up. With fake tans. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but we're in a montage scene right now, and so, but we're living in it. And living in a montage scene is hard because montage scenes are great. You do a lot of a lot of things in a really short amount of time. And right now we're doing, you know, relatively small number of things over a long, long period of this week has felt like a month. And that's rough. So I haven't been doing all that much. Like I said, the past weekend, we went out to central Washington and uh, had some really nice isolation time. There's like nobody out there in a lot of the places that we go, except for one place whose name will be unmentioned because I want people to stop going there. (laughs) Uh, It's a rather famous climbing place. And so all of the dude bro climbers go out there regardless. And so we're under orders to shelter in place and we're under heavy heavy suggestion to social distance like you know keeping six feet apart and so you have roughly 150 tents in a very small cove and it it was kind of disheartening it's all actually you know what it's always disheartening this has made it like slightly worse but it's always disheartening to see a beautiful place being overrun by people who i mean in their own way love it but in a big way are killing it that's a bummer. I've been up to maybe some introspective thoughts about how things are bummers. That's maybe not a good place to be, but there I am. Uh, creatively speaking, I'm testing film. We got maybe, hopefully, some some uh, new slow ISO film coming out uh, at some point. And uh, I am at the beginning stages of testing and possibly at the end stages of testing it. This might have been an easy <laughs> thing. So. Yeah, he got it yesterday, and he's already done two rolls of testing. Three, but three, yeah. Three, three rolls, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be out probably soon, if it's a go. <laughs> you could do a montage scene of me testing film. It'd be very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> Swear to God. Now that we've talked a ton of shit about challenges and 
things that people are trying to do as far as like pushing your creative bounds. Is that a word? Bounds? It's, I mean, it is. It's not, okay. not a word. We have something for you. It's called the shoot inside challenge thing. Yeah, we are being very creative with the name. So for those who <laughs> like challenges and being tasked with things unnecessarily, we've got the shoot inside challenge thing. Each episode until this whole virus thing just blows over, we'll give you a challenge. This isn't a contest. There are no winners, but we will judge you silently. We really will. See what you can come up with. Then after you dev the shots, tag us and we'll feature them. So for this episode, let's try natural light. Pick five random things from your house and take a still life with them interacting in natural light. And we'll give you points for absurdity. Yeah. Um, wh who was it said, uh, get freaky with it? Wasn't that uh, Kalimatorn, I believe, a few episodes yeah. ago? Yeah. You know what? Points for absurdity. Get freaky with it. Um, you know, if, you, if your Instagram account gets closed down because of it, you win. There are no winners, <laughs> but you win. So when you got it all ready, hashtag it all through a lens at home, and we'll collect them all and do a post or two. It's, you know, I mean... Why the hell not? You, what, do you, what else are you doing? You're not doing anything else. Just do this, unless you don't want to. I will take part in it as well. Um, I believe I have a lot of weird random bips and bobs. You do. I do. I've got a lot of weird just stuff lying around. So those weird things will interact with each other in... Uh, I'm not going to promise weirdness. I'm just going to promise that... You know, I'm not going to promise anything. I will try my best to do this. We'll see if it happens. I'll shoot tomorrow in natural light with my random things in black and white. Why not? What are you going to use? What camera? Ooh, Ooh. what camera? Hmm. <gasps> I have a ton of ultra fucking fine 400 right now. Ah, uh, yeah. Do that. So I'll do like medium format. Maybe I haven't really shot with the Hasselblad. So maybe I'll shoot with that. And I will shoot my little homies. Or something. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I will probably use a Graflex Crown Graphic. Oh, where did you get that? Copycat. Come on. You're going to use a large format camera to photograph five things in your house, okay? Sure, why not? Back off. For today's episode, we're giving a call to Ethan Moses of Camerodactyl fame. Hello. Hello. Real quick, Ethan is a camera maker out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. You might recognize him as the guy behind the cameras such as the Homunculus 69 and the new Bronchiopan. Recently, he put down the cameras and started printing and releasing plans for open-source medical ventilators. And when it comes to Red Vines versus Twizzlers... Oh, Red Vines, but you have to open the bag and, like, leave them out. Brilliant. So, how you been uh, holding up through all of this? I mean, my life is basically quarantine anyway. Fair. Um, <laughs> you're in my shop. I kind of sit here and print cameras. Uh, there have not been that many cameras to print. Although I'm still making a couple of things over there. Um, I kind of got involved in making ventilator parts of late. Um, so I started with my friend Joe, and we made this little check valve. And then I made a PEEP valve, which is a positive end exhalation pressure valve. So, like, 
when you exhale on a ventilator, you basically uh, always have a positive pressure so your lungs don't collapse. And so there's like a little Bic pen spring, which is something I learned from making a Camerdactyl Bronco pan that are readily available everywhere. And so I now try and design everything with a spring around a Bic spring. I made this uh, dual check valve, uh, which is the head of a pump. Um, because I think we're going to run out of ambu bags. Yeah. And so like you can order two check valves on McMaster car for about three fifty a piece. We'll get there in two days, but this is about, I don't know, 50 to 70 cents worth of plastic. And it comes off the printer in three and a half hours. So it's a project that you're working on. I th- do you have any more information about it that you can talk yeah, about? Yeah. So there's a bunch of open source, uh, and, uh, crowdsource projects working on this, right? There's the pandemic ventilator, there's the MIT and Rice University projects from 2010. Um, there's Project Open Air. And all of those places have been like, you know, like 2,000 members sort of talking at each other. Mm-hmm. And so rather than me trying to figure out like what their system architecture is and what part of it I could build, I just made replacement parts that I knew they would have to use. And you know, I make a part, I make it open source, and I just, like, make a little five-minute, ten-minute YouTube video about, like, how what it is, what it does, how it works, how to print it, and then just, like, drop it in the group. And if anybody wants to use it, cool. If not, you know, whatever. Very cool. That's incredible. Um, I didn't know that, like, the camera viewers, per se, would make any use out of a check valve pump head. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow it worked like way quicker than uh, <laughs> releasing like mods to old Yashikas or uh, digital shutter testers you can build for $5 or something like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm supposed to be designing cameras this week, but this is just, it's like, it makes me feel a lot better. I think cameras make me feel good though. Oh yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, so <laughs> you, you said you're not going to be making cameras next week, but what is the latest with camera dactyl? I finished the release of the Bronco pan, although May 1st, I need to release it to the world, and I need to make a couple more mods to it um, for people to use it in different ways, but um, the first half of this year, I've been trying to build a folding 20 by 24 camera that's laser cut and 3D printed, and these self-developing backs. Um, So in the, I want to say late 70s or early 80s, the Polaroid Corporation built the 20 by 24 Polaroid and they only made seven of them and they were sort of traveling promotional things. And it was really like a fun, interesting type of piece of machinery people would gather around to make art. I did a little bit of calculations to figure out how big an Afghan box camera would have to be to develop a color positive at 20 by 24. And basically like, you know, it's, it's a room. Yeah. Then I did a little bit more calculations and, I was looking at hanging like 70 to 200 pounds of liquid off of the back of a camera on a tripod. And (laughs) I thought that was not going to work. So I did a bunch more thinking and I came up with this prototype that actually works in 8x10, but um, I'm now quarantined from the laser cutter, uh, so I can't make a bigger version. But um, it's a self-developing back. So like a sheet film holder like you would use for 4x5 or 8x10 or, in this case, 20x24. The difference is it's a lot thicker than a normal sheet film holder. 
Um, so when you focus on the ground glass, you put a shim in that's maybe an inch thick to push the ground glass back the thickness of the holder. And then the holder has a light yeah. baffle in it. So you take your picture as normal and then uh, close the dark slide, take the cassette out, turn it on its side, screw a funnel into the light baffle. And now you can develop a color 20 by 24. I've only done 8 by 10, but in something like, you know, five minutes for color or 10 for black and white. And, you know, that's quicker than the 20 by 24 Polaroid would have gone. Now you still need some chemistry, but you don't need a dark room and you could do it out in the field. And so I think like people would be really excited about this, even if it's not, you know, something, I don't think everybody's going to go out and buy a 20 by 24 camera and my cassette, but I think one, it's good at advertising Two, I can't help myself because I'm interested in it. Uh, maybe next week we'll, we'll see. I might have a contract making masks for the hospital here and I might spend some time designing machines uh, for ventilators but um, if not my downtime is now going to be filled with making a run of indoorsman notebooks which will be the most rugged notebooks for indoorsman with waterproof paper and then maybe I'll do like a little YouTube video with myself like doodling in the bathtub with a bubble bath and maybe I'll 3D print myself a bubble pipe you know like what is more analog photography than a notebook especially when you're stuck in the house. Buy the endorsement Plague Edition <laughs> now at thecameradactyl.com. Oh, so, okay, um, you've been big on photographers receiving inspiration from photo books. Sure, yeah. It's my preferred so, method of looking at photos. What do you look for in a photo book? Like, what's a good photo book? Ultimately, good pictures and organized around an interesting narrative. So I can think of it as a couple of different levels right so i think good pictures are something that you don't always see um so like i could really care less about sort of like artistic beauty and golden ratios but i want to see something that i have never seen before um and that be could be because it's far away or hidden or taboo to look at because it happened at a time that i did not exist in or in a place that i can never go to um i like to be surprised right and i feel that second is Beautiful photos are always nice, but not you know mandatory. Third is like I am not really into like photo anthologies or books that are just you know a collection of beautiful photos or even interesting photos. I like it when it's a, a monograph from one photographer okay. who is showing you you know one thing. Uh, Life on the Mississippi by Alex Soth or um, you know East One Hundredth Street by Bruce Davidson are are great like photo projects, right? In terms of formatting, um, I really like it when it's just like one picture on a page, white background, uh, nothing fancy. We're talking a bit about the movie called Northside 777 a bit later in the podcast, including the wire photo that's sent at the end. You have watched Call Northside 777 recently. I have, about yeah. three or four days ago. Thank you for suggesting it. I am not a Jimmy Stewart fan. Really? Well, I mean, I do love this movie. Man, movies before the 70s are way too slow for me. Also, okay. like, that sort of, hey, I'm going to talk like this, see? Uh, you know, it's just like, what are you doing? I mean, it's like a, it's like a radio play. Uh, oh, I you know, love I grew it. up in the 90s. I want some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action. <laughs> um, said, while frustrated at the start of Northside 777, it really sucked me in. I wound up loving the movie. Um, but you know, I have, I have some criticisms about it. I watched sure. this with my girlfriend. Uh, she's a smart lady. We noted that there was like, 
an insane disrespect for women in this uh, movie. <laughs> like, okay, so Jimmy Stewart's got this wife, and like, you know, he's just like she's just like a like a prop, you know. And he comes home and like make me a sandwich, <laughs> and then he's like, uh, you know. Um, yeah, you're, you're so feeble-minded. I was able to charm you with a flower. And she's like, I'm not so feeble-minded. You have to do more than that, Jimmy. And he was like, yeah, whatever, toots. Make me a sandwich. <laughs> At the same time, there's painfully slow pacing. The shots are beautiful. Kudos to the cinematographer. Yeah. Everything was yeah. like amazing to look at. And until the end, I didn't know why you guys had wa had me watch this movie other than Jimmy Stewart was in it. And I thought maybe <laughs> it was just because the cinematography is like every frame is is beautiful. It, it reminded me yeah. like, of uh, World of Apu in that way. Uh, the first time a camera shows up, he's like copying some arrest records at a yes. precinct pretending to be mm -hmm. like a guy. And I noticed he like uses a minox and he... This is a light, and I wonder if he is either so skilled that he knows how far away to be without the chain, or nobody had any idea what the chain was for. So, like, a Minox has a, has a strap, you know, with these little balls on it that tell you exactly how far away you are for pre-focusing and document copying, yeah. which I used that strategy on my Camerodactyl OG 4x5. I got a six-foot rope. I throw it to somebody, ask them to hold it near their eye, throw it back when they're ready oh. to take a picture. Man, did you guys notice that the head of the newspaper had an amazing tie? I didn't. No, oh. I missed the tie. And the guy has like a eight inch tie. It is, I couldn't tell if like that was the style back then or just like nobody else was wearing it. It's, it's worth, worth a look in that scene. <laughs> When they're all at the table and they're discussing, like, you know, how they're going to prove his innocence. Is that exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah. whether they should or not? Yeah, the, the, the newspaper owner president or whatever mm -hmm. just the wackiest tie i've ever seen it's like <laughs> the opposite of the donald trump tie <laughs> um, oh yeah so um kind of like at the end of the movie uh do, do you want me to give it away or, or no oh yeah we yeah we're gonna spoil yeah, it yeah okay and he winds up proving that the star witness had in fact the accused because of a one of the nine that was not printed newspaper photo then the uh, parole board or the clemency board i believe uh you know they say we don't know when this photo was taken it could have been after the trial right and he's like look there's a newspaper in the background <laughs> and so they they do a real like blow up right i wonder yeah. if blow up i'm sure <laughs> the people too. who wrote blow up had seen this but <laughs> oh absolutely uh, this thing pissed me off <laughs> yep he brings the print, right? He doesn't get the negative. He brings the print to the police darkroom guy. He's like, can you blow yeah. this up? And he's like, yeah, right? And so this is like the old-timey version of the modern, like, enhance, enhance, yes. enhance. And then, like, the, the CCTV all of a sudden is like a 9 million megapixels and you can just interpolate anything. Yeah, so they do it like this, and they keep blowing it up and, like, enhancing um, by the way, they transmit this information on like the most amazing rotary drum scanner analog electronics telegraph thing that like I have been obsessed with reverse engineering how to make one of these. Also a camera out of like a 1970s Xerox machine, but that's another story. No, that's what we talk about. That's what we're going to be talking about in the next segment. The telediographs and the... Um, the bellinograph. Yes, and, all of yeah. those. I got excited about that, but... 
But my point about this enhanced thing is they blow up this photo <laughs> until they can read the damn date. <laughs> yeah, that's yep. super possible. <laughs> it's like, you know, in the background, there's like this newsy boy with like the knickers and the hat, like with the newspaper. He's like, yeah, you know, and, and it's unnecessarily stupid because anybody at that time would know, one, that could not have happened, certainly not from the print. Mm-hmm. Second, it was totally unnecessary because he had the newspaper articles. He could have just compared the entire front of the paper to the archive of the paper, yes. you know, <laughs> that true. day, the yep. day before. And she's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Jimmy Stewart. Oh, that made me super angry. But also, what a, what a wonderful gem of a movie. <laughs> Um, okay, you want to hit our last question? Sure. So the next episode question that we'll be asking listeners, when it comes to photography, do you daydream about it? And if you, if so, specifically, what do you daydream about? Ah, man, I don't know that I daydream so much. I did have a dream uh, the other night. It's very rare that I have a dream to remember them, but I had this dream where, like, I was at a wedding and everybody was like sleeping in this attic, like 40 or 50 people in a bunkhouse. And Mike Gutterman shows up drunk at two in the morning with taquitos and starts waking everybody up and putting a taquito in their sleeping hands. And he had like girls with him. It was weird, but uh, that was a really nice dream that I had. It wasn't really photography related, but uh, had to do with the analog photography community, I guess. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on thank you very much for having me on i appreciate it so, uh, oh no problem time. thank you for coming on it was great yeah. all right <laughs> all right bye-bye April 24th, 1899, a new stage in journalism has been reached. Portraits of the men and the events of the day are now transmitted from one part of the country to another by electricity. Ernest A. Hommel has invented an instrument called the telediograph, which will revolutionize the newspaper business. By means of the picture telegraph instrument, it takes only half an hour to transfer a picture from New York to Chicago, which ordinarily would take about two days. But this wasn't technically photography. It was, as described at the time, an etching. Basically, electrically scanned images with shellac on foil originals. These were essentially drawings, but impressive that this was invented in 1898, and several newspapers, such as the New York Herald and the Chicago Times, used it. An actual photo had to be first given to an artist who would then sketch it with shellac on a piece of tin foil. The foil was then placed on a transmitter and read by a needle, similar to a record player. It would then be transmitted by telegraph wire to a receiver. From a newspaper explanation at the time, it says, This mechanism is such that whenever then one needle touches a spot of tinfoil on which ink has been placed, the other needle makes a mark on the prepared paper in the receiving instrument. When the whole original sketch has been gone over in this way, the reproduction will be perfect, with mark for mark and blank space for blank space. But again, this wasn't a photograph. It was simply an electric transfer of a sketch made from a photograph. But this idea was there. This combined with somewhat recent-ish invention of half-toning gave photographers and newspapers hope that soon this mystery would be cracked. 
After all, the telegraph and the telephone had made written and sound communication across the globe simple. The time for photography was coming. The sketches coming from Hummel's telediograph were simply codes, like Morse code. In fact, it was even more rudimentary than Morse code, producing either a white or a black mark. This changed after the invention of the photocell around 1870. Photocells were devices that emitted electrons when illuminated. If you shined a light on a photocell, it would spit out a bunch of electrons. Not only that, it could be varied. The more light, the more electrons it spat out. This gave inventors the ability to vary electrical pulses with the intensity of the light. Practically, what this meant for telephotography was that gray tones could finally be reproduced. So it wasn't just black and white, but shades of gray as well. German physicist Arthur Korn used these cells to invent the phototelautograph in 1904. Using the same idea as the telediograph, that was the sketching shellac machine, Korn swapped out the etching needles for selenium cells and was able to read the photo's varying shades of gray, transmitting the varied impulses line by line to a receiver fitted with a bulb that would vary in brightness, replicating the impulses upon a photosensitive paper. The whole process took about 45 minutes, and as it took things line by line, it wasn't a perfect reproduction of the photo. In fact, while a marvel to behold, the end result looked pretty bad. But still, it was a start. There were a slew of inventions and patents improving upon the original, most popular of which came in 1913. Invented by Edouard Bellin, the Bellinograph could transmit the same electrical impulses, and thus the photo, over regular telephone lines, rather than telegraph lines. His invention became the standard in Europe, lasting decades with modest improvements along the way. And here, back in the States, the whole thing was up in the air with Western Union, AT&T, and the Associated Press all having a go at it. Essentially, their technology was lifted from the original and basically just made it their own. For instance, Western Union could use telephone lines starting in 1921, finally catching up to Berlin. A couple years later, AT&T announced they could transmit via long-distance telephone lines. Ooh, do you remember long-distance phone calling? I remember getting in trouble for long-distance phone calling. Oh my gosh, me too. (laughs) So much trouble. (laughs) Hilarious. A total of eight sending and receiving stations were built around the country, but the whole thing was massively expensive. It cost AT&T $3 million, which is around $45 million in today's money. They were hardly used, and they were shut down around 1933. And it was around then that Bell Laboratories pitched in and the Associated Press used their work, which soon became the standard. The AP's first photo sent out to newspapers on New Year's Day 1936 was an aerial shot of a plane crash in the woods. Uh, After that, the papers couldn't get enough of these photos. At the time, photojournalists shot with 4x5 speed graphic cameras. They often developed their negatives in portable darkrooms and make their prints at the local news office where they could also send the photo. There's a great old photo of a photojournalist uh, developing, or I guess getting ready to develop his negatives in the trunk of his car. And these trunks are huge, but he's all kind of crouched in there. And they're, well, we should post that photo and then post a photo of Jennifer doing the same thing on her next trip. Well, I think Jennifer will find some inspiration from this photo. Once the print was made, it would be attached to a cylinder on a transmitter. The cylinder would spin at 100 RPM under a more modern photocell. A a small lamp would shine a very small light onto the print, which would then be reflected back onto the photocell. The cell, as before, would turn the array of gray tones into signals that could be transmitted across telephone wires to a receiver. This receiver held a piece of photo paper on its 
its cylinder. As it spun at 100 RPM, the signals coming across the wire would be translated back into light. The varying lights and darks were exposed to photopaper, making a positive print. Reproducing the entire photo took around 10 to 17 minutes. So by the end of the decade, these transmitters were made relatively small and basically portable, fitting into a large suitcase. All that had to be done was to tap into an existing phone line and send the photo to a receiver near a dark room. The 1948 Jimmy Stewart movie, Call Northside 777, shows this entire process in plot-stopping detail. As of now, the film is available for free on YouTube, so you should really give it a watch and we we're going to spoil it here, so maybe you should pause it and go uh, go check it out. If you'll remember our episode where we talked about the three-color separation, in 1939, color photos could be transmitted just like the black-and-white photos, but it took three times as long. One transmission for the red layer, another for the green, and still another for the blue. This all came just in time for World War II, and it wasn't just photographs that could be scanned and transmitted, but maps and charts. This greatly aided the war effort, though by this time all sides of the conflicts had had some version of this technology. But getting back to Call Northside 777, Stewart's ace reporter character, PJ McNeil, proves the innocence of a convicted murderer by photographic evidence, an enlarged 4x5 image that contained a newspaper date. Whether this exact technology and clarity through the grain of not one, but two negatives existed is kind of anyone's guess. Though the movie was based on a true story, a big chunk of it, including the wire photo bit, is, is fiction. Think of it sort of like how the cops on Law & Order could enhance a pixelated image to catch their various murderers, thieves, and liars. It made for good television, but had almost no connection to reality. But in both cases, call Northside 777 and Law and & Order capture what the public wanted technology to be able to do for them. In their minds, this bit of hand-waving, this magical realism, it was allowable. After all, at some point, the technology would get there, and of course, now it has. Wire photos are a thing of the past, as are photojournalists carrying 4x5 cameras. Well, except for David Burnett. The same goes for newspapers having dark rooms, or even newspapers existing. In steps, we went from film to digital, first in the transmission of the film photos to the entire process being digital. But there should be a special place in our cold digital hearts for the wire photo. It changed not just newspapers, but how the public saw both photography and journalism. It was maybe the most important series of inventions that are now all but forgotten. There are no bolinograph clubs or teledeograph societies. <laughs> yeah, they okay. just aren't. <laughs> Tom Hanks, our own Jimmy Stewart, wouldn't star in a movie about a photographer who emailed a, someone a photo. And I think, didn't he do that? Isn't that like the plot? Like, what about like... You've got mail. In fact, even if you remade Northside 777, it just wouldn't be impressive technology. And yet, it was impressive then. It was important. And it deserves a slight nod or two at the very least. So, uh, we do zine reviews every episode or so. We've always been into zines, as you know, and we're still into zines. So, uh, a couple weekends ago, we, we braved the elements, I guess, and went to Policon San Francisco, met up there. Uh, Policon Bay Area. Okay, in San Francisco, and I guess in Oakland as well. We did the first two days of Policon Bay Area. Uh, the first on, on Friday, we uh, hung out in, what was the camera shop's name? Glass Key Photo. 
Yeah, glass key photo. We hung out there for a bit and kind of met a bunch of people whose names all elude me now, except for Jayabot. Well, Jayabot was awesome because he like introduced us to everybody, and oh, it was everybody great. was super super nice. And we even bought film from Glass Key. We did. Everybody was really sweet and really really nice. It was a great time. We hung out and just kind of、um, mingled. We I don't. Maybe you do a little bit of this. I don't. <laughs> You're like do I、that. don't mingle. <laughs> I don't. I don't really go out and do things. And so it was a very strange. Thing for me, actually, the whole thing was strange because I flew for the first time in like 14 years, and I don't fly, and I was freaked out by flying. Not a fan, but I'm actually I'm a little bit better with it now. But、uh, starting off, I was panicking, not happy. But you know what? It was worth it. It was all a great weekend. The second day, we did a. Well,、uh, we need to talk about. So after the. After we met at Glass Key, we went for a walk through Chinatown, and it was、yes. kind of like eerily quiet. It was very interesting. It was. There was、um, almost nobody on the streets of Chinatown on a Friday night, which I guess is a strange thing. I've never really been to Chinatown in San Francisco, and I guess this is an odd thing. But it was neat seeing almost like a ghost town effect. And I mean, obviously the reasons. The reasons why were pretty awful, but it was an interesting. Uh, think the document. We got a few pictures. I took, I think, my first night shots ever, maybe. Yeah,、uh, yeah, which is weird to think of. I've figured, you know, the thousands <laughs> of photos I've shot, I've never shot a night shot, especially in the city, and so it's kind of cool. Yeah, I took my Yashica mat and I brought my Lomo.、Um, what was it? Instant Square, aka.、Yes. Star Wars bad guys.、Camera. Oh, Star Wars bad guy camera. Yes. Yeah. Not, the, not not a pile of garbage. No, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I'm figuring it out. I did break the door. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> But I am very savvy with stickers, and I can you know keep it closed now. So、you、that's、can. okay. So on Saturday we went well, to a、wait. place. I want to talk about the photo walk, like. This was my first photo walk. I've never actually like experienced a photo walk before, and I kind of want to recommend that. This was your first photo walk. Yes, it was my first photo walk. Did I know that? Did we know that about each other? I don't know. That's so weird that we wouldn't have said this is our first photo walk to each other. Yeah, we have to have known this and just forgotten it. Probably. Okay. It was nice to see you there. It was nice you- to see you there. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was neat, and honestly, it. Kind of made me excited to maybe do some more in LA. I know that.、Um, I mean, not just because I'm cooped in the house and I want to go shoot photography, but yeah, it's just sort of like going to the grocery store when you're hungry at this point. So <laughs> you might rethink this later. Yes, but I do want to maybe do some more photo walks, like in my area or in LA, randomly all over the place. I think it would be a lot of fun. But how much did you actually shoot on the photo walk? Um, I shot probably like. Two packs of square film, so like twenty shots. Okay, that's a lot. And then I shot just about a whole roll of Elford FP4 Plus. Okay, I shot six frames and ended up talking to a bunch of people. Oh my gosh, so many people had like amazing. Well, first of all, instant photo people are amazing. Yeah, they're really nice people. <laughs> They really are. It is, and, and it's kind of surprising because with the instant stuff, especially, you could be using almost like a, a toy camera or even like a like a regular Instax camera. You can get like I don't know, Kmart still exists, whatever. But one of those places, or you could be using like this Mint thing or a back for a for a Hasselblad or a back back for something else. So you can go from like really. 
like entry level cameras to really expensive cameras. There's one guy shooting uh, like a converted what 100B or whatever it is, and doing some pretty amazing four by fives with it. There was no weird hierarchy there with that. No, everybody kind of had their own little setup, and everybody was just really rad and nice and yeah. interested in what everybody else was doing. And it was it was really neat to see an experience. Yeah, it was neat having everybody interested in everybody. It was kind of cool. There's a lot of great people in San Francisco that are doing amazing things in the film community. And yeah. I definitely think we should probably link some of those things because they're doing some fun stuff in, I think, Oakland. And then also Glass Key Photo as well is doing fun stuff too. So Yeah, one of the guys we met on the, on the first night, it was also photographing with the 100 100B or 100A or whatever that is, the big Polaroid that used to take the roll film. He's doing a bunch of interesting stuff as far as processing goes. Yeah, he took my picture. I have it. took my picture as well. I have my picture. I should scan it. Maybe I'll put it on my story or something. We should scan our photos in. So the the next day, uh, we went to the Parkside, which is like a punk rock-ish bar that played a lot of Led Zeppelin. So honestly, (laughs) losing a ton of punk points here. They played like an like an hour and a half of Led Zeppelin. Well, we were outside and that that was just what was playing on repeat. <laughs> it was it was bad. It was really rough. You know what? I haven't heard those songs in like so long, so what didn't really bother me. Okay. Um their Burt Reynolds wall was kind of amazing. The Burt Reynolds wall was pretty amazing, as was your complaints about Led Zeppelin. But moving on. <laughs> Oh, uh, the main thing, the main draw for both of us was the zine swap at this. But there were a bunch of like se- like little mini seminars. I mean, it was it was at the beginning, the very very beginnings of everybody just kind of getting really freaked out about about COVID nineteen. So yeah, this was the before they shut down the city. Yeah, the attendance was. Uh, maybe what 30 or 40 people if that yeah if that it was really low which is a bummer in a way obviously but it was really cool to to be able to have a lot of one-on-one time with a lot of people some people that who i knew from instagram and didn't even know i knew that's a bunch of people who i, I follow on instagram now it's it's kind of cool okay and sort of the, the the highlight of the event at least for a lot of folks was uh, a fellow named vince with the east bay photo collective shooting this this uh eight by 10 Polaroid film and an eight by 10 camera. I got my portrait taken. You got yours. Yes, I did. (laughs) And a lot of people did. They were just blowing through the film and blowing up to what what is the processors? The printers or like, yeah, processors. Uh, The thing that you feed the the film and the the negative into and it it kind of processes it for you. It blew up two of those uh, with smoke and and lots of really smelly electronic smells. (laughs) <laughs> but it was it was a time and then they switched to four by five and it was just kind of a very fun afternoon yes it really was i had a blast and it was really nice that it was kind of a little bit smaller and intimate because i had more time to be able to like have conversations with people um i think in large crowds i kind of like lose my mind find a corner and yeah. it was a little bit more talkative and people were just so kind and if I was interested in what they were doing, they would like explain it to me. There was like a ton of people using the the cuckoo clock door graphics. What are those called? Oh yeah, yeah. And they were <laughs> shooting <laughs> Instax wides in them, and then getting in their dark bags and loading it back into an instant camera so it would process it. 
I can't wait for next year. And honestly, I really want to go to the Texas one as well. So I'm like hooked. Yeah, I would like to go to the next one. Yeah. And if we're, if we're so hunkering down, we probably can't. But I think uh, I think we should try. So while we were there, we, we picked up a couple of zines. We're both, we're both going to... Uh... Review some zines. Yeah. So what do you have for us? I got two zines from Jayabot. Um, yeah. The one that I will be reviewing today is the Big Shot portrait zine. So um, Big Shot was a Polaroid camera for portrait, and he was using the uh, last bit of his Fuji FP100C. Uh, so he's got a ton of portraits of people actually that were at Policon, so that was really neat to see, and a couple portraits of his kids my favorite is his father-in-law who made the cover yeah absolutely (laughs) and they're really really good they came out really good they did yeah i've always been interested in the big shot camera it's pretty neat he had it with him he did and he pulled it out of his bag and it was kind of broken in half (laughs) it was he was like "Eh, whatever (laughs) i was like Uh no (laughs) (laughs) if you would like to pick up one of jaya bots i would message him on instagram at jaya bot so the zine that I got is a, is a I didn't even know it existed, and I kind of dig it. It's a compilation zine called Before My Eyes, and I actually knew a few folks who were in it. I didn't I didn't even know it existed. So we don't often see photography zines printed on newsprint, uh, but when I saw this one on the table at Policon, I was I was a little skeptical of it. But after picking it up, the medium it really fits the material. I remember this is instant film. So Before My Eyes is a full size fifty two page compilation zine of instant film photographers. I immediately recognized some of the names like Sarah. Akor, I believe her name is. I don't know how to pronounce your name, Sarah. Sorry. And W.E. Arnold. And they both have two 4x5 Polaroid shots inside of it. Uh, the rest is this wonderful mixed bag of Polaroid, mixed media. Which the mixed media stuff is really intense. Uh, type 669, FP100C stuff. And while the film and the prints are what brings the artists together, the subjects and the artistry are all the reason to pick up the zine. And you really should. I got it off of Brian Gar- Garbrecht. Again, I'm just going to butcher everybody's names today. But he's at Theory of Brian on Instagram. I picked it up for him, and you should probably pick it up from him too. Last week, we lost one of the biggest names in country music, Kenny Rogers, but we also lost a pretty damn good photographer. Rogers started as a kid with a Kodak Brownie Hawkeye and eventually traded up to a Hauselblad. He got really serious about it when he picked up a Linhoff Master Technica 4x5. Yeah, this is Kenny Rogers shooting 4x5. That's not it. He published a book of landscapes and then he moved on to 8x10. Kenny Rogers, the gambler, shooting 8x10. I shot portraits with that mostly, and he published two additional books of those, mostly of country music stars. Though his first book was Kenny Rogers... Kenny Rogers America? Sees America? Or Kenny Rogers Does America? I don't know what it is. While he considered himself a dabbler, he studied under John Sexton, who was one of Ansel Adams' developers. It was from him where he learned how to use the zone system. And before his death... uh, Rogers was planning on publishing another book of landscape. So I don't think that ever happened, which is really a bummer. I, I mean, I don't know if that means he was still shooting landscapes towards the end of his life. I mean, he was 81. And I guess how he'd normally do it, he would he would tour and then shoot in between shows, which is 
kind of cool. There's a great article in, in a strange website newspaper called Sports and Entertainment Nashville. We will link the article in there, but it was written by photographer Bill Hobbs, also from Nashville, I believe. So hopefully something will come of that in the near future. And if it does, uh, we'll be picking it up and we'll definitely let you know. And that's all the podcasts that we have for you today. If you'd like to contact us, we're at allthroughalens.podcast on Instagram. By email, it's allthroughalens.podcast at gmail. And we're at allthroughalens on Twitter. Vanya is Surf Martian. And Eric is at conspiracy.of.cartographers. Both on Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, make sure to hashtag yourself allthroughalenspodcast to be featured. We also do a Spotify playlist for each episode, so check those out to see what we're listening to. Just search All Through a Lens. You can also find our episodes on Spotify as well as on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever the hell else you can find your podcast. Subscribe and leave us a review. Don't be so thirsty. The music you're hearing now is from Last Regiment of Syncopated Drummers, which you can find at lastregiment.com. And thank you so much for listening. We love you. See you in a couple of weeks. Aww. Yeah. Do you want to go out and shoot? Fuck, you see. <laughs> Let's go. All I know is that if I was her, I'd be sneaking in that little twin size bed with Jimmy Stewart every single night. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Who would it be? Okay, so you didn't write anything about the, uh... <laughs>